Yo. Morning. How are you? Doing all right. <clears throat> Recovered? Yeah, recovering. But yeah. Did you see? Did you see Ryan's um, video on his channel of the the event, the uh, Singapore event, talking twenty forty nine? No, because I didn't want to see the COVID flying directly into my face <laughs> on video. He's actually, he's actually pretty damn. You know, I get the the excitement that you guys got from the event. It was pretty intense. Like this, this felt like a bull market again. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was there with him while he was recording a lot of that. I was recording some other stuff. It was pretty. It was a pretty wild, wild week. Everybody's sick. I don't know how Rand dodged it. Maybe he had something recently and has immunity. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't finished watching it. Uh, anyone that wants to check it out, just go on Rand's channel, the Crypto Banter channel, um, and he's got a video there. I think it just came out. Um, by the way, also, I'm, I'm glad we have Wizard here. Wizard, uh, one thing I want to talk to you about in a bit is the, I know you'll give us a market update and you do a lot more than just NFTs. But going back to NFTs, I just read a statistic that 95%, um, let me get the news here. There they are. 95% of NFTs are, gone, are pretty much gone, are dead. Uh, have you what a that? weird stat, though. How do you calculate that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to look at the metric. I'm sure they like, God, you know, it? just take all the all the NFTs out there, which, I mean, the, the data set is, like, so ridiculous, right? Because, like, there are so many scams that probably skew the mark like the overall that's why it's like a very flawed statistic because there's um you know so many projects that have gone literally from like you know um say like five eight floor to like zero because they literally were scams and that's like you know a good chunk of them but like all the the mainstays are still around they're doing really well like look at crypto punks look at all the fidenzas um you know even board apes are at around forty thousand dollars i mean that's still you know i mean do you consider that zero like a, a shitty like a product i mean the fact that a monkey picture is still forty thousand american dollars is you know that's more than that's two bitcoins almost right well not two but like you know that almost <laughs> like that's still pretty like pretty huge um you know, pudgy penguins are still four eat floor. I mean, Azuki's even with all their shit are still around four eat. I mean, still the the the, the mainstays have always have been fine. It's it's just a nice little headline to have. To, you know, it's like oh, the the tulip mania or the beanie bubble has bursted. But the ones if you're in the market, it's been fine. Like I mean, it's not fine, but like that statistic is kind of meaningless because it's just a skewed data set. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I calculate that. I'm curious and. Um... And I see Mando in the audience as well. I'm going to be reading some news from his uh, that he tweets every day. But I'm curious, Wizard, um, what's happened with all the people that, that you know, you've got a lot of these, because it happened in 2017, all these influencers that promoted uh, scammy projects. Are they facing the repercussions now or people just not caring? No, they are, right? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of um, pushback uh, about that. Um, I forget what the name was, Stoner Cats or something. The one like me, like yeah, the SEC. Yeah, so they are like going after projects. There was a, there's a few of them. The ones that were like very obvious, like hard rugs, they've been going after them for sure. Like there was, um, I forget, it was like some ice cream type of J, JPEG project, like PFP. I forget uh, like the exact name. Uh, I think they stole two million. Um, and there was like a hard rug, so uh, there's like a, a couple cases against them in in New York, I believe. So they are going after them. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons you're actually seeing 
a lot of um, projects a slow down b they're actually talking about um you know uh like i feel like you know like kevin rose with moonbirds and all that just they're kind of detaching themselves from a lot of their nfts and projects because of this pushback against all the scams from from the last like two years um so there is there is people are going after them like you know and i think that's why you're seeing this like a uh, breakdown or you're seeing people who were like rugs coming back and be like oh you know we were building that's why we were silent and now we're going to do something so that they don't have people come after them right so no there's there's definitely going to be you know uh, clawbacks it just depends right like a lot of these people a lot of them move to like dubai and stuff so uh you know that that's not going to come back like but the american based ones yes but like this you know if somebody in some like random basement in bangladesh like launched a you know board bunny and made 15 million dollars like you're not going to get that back like that's gone um and before i read the news uh, scott I, I have a question for you is what happened to so I wasn't in the scene, like the influencer media scene back in 2017, 2018. I know that you got involved in 2019, 2020. Is that right? No, I got involved in 16, 17. No, not in crypto, in the media side, your channel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Much, yeah. But what happened, what happened? So influencers back then that promoted scammy projects, do any of them still exist or all of them either got... got uh, uh, the projects or the influencers? <laughs> influencers themselves. Did they oh, lose yeah. complete credibility or people just forget... Well, I think that uh, that's an impossible question, but I think there's nuance. I think there's people who generally liked a lot of projects and were invested in things and lost their money like everyone else. And then I think there's outright scam artists and rugs, and I think most of those people are probably gone. So I, I don't think you can uh, lump the two together. I mean, uh, listen, I, all of us, I think, here have been into or whether it was just bull market uh, blindness or truly believing in everything that was coming out because we were early just really thought that all of this stuff was going to the moon and everything was going to succeed and then you know the bear market rinses out that euphoria and i think that qualifies for a lot of uh influencers and analysts as well right i mean who didn't think at sixty-nine thousand, that Bitcoin was going well over a hundred, right? And so, does anyone who promoted Bitcoin uh, all of a sudden uh, no, influencer scammer? Uh, I'd, say, I'd say the difference between promoting a project that failed versus promoting, uh, you know, just those projects that you know are a scam. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think that uh, I think that the industry largely sees that, and that most people, um, you know, are dismissive of those people. But I, I think many of them still are around. Um, all right, I'm going to read out the news and then give us a market update. What do you think? Yeah, have at it. Cool. Uh, I'm going to go through Mando's news, just kind of read them briefly and then add some of ours. So you got uh, the market update. I'll leave that for uh, Scott in a bit. So Bitcoin, um, so nearly 100% of short-term holders are in loss. I think it's like they looked at, I think that was, um, what is it called? The the uh, analysis firm. And uh, let me check, let me check. Uh, Glassnode. So Glassnode came up with, the, with that number. And they looked at, I think, traders in the last three months, so speculators, and almost all of them are at a loss. Um, just shows, and they're talking about how that, that's creating panic among traders. Uh, we've got Bitcoin hits another record hash rate. Um, ETH futures ETF, the final deadline is in a few days. It's a couple of weeks. It's on October 2nd. Um, we've got ETH transaction costs. Uh, no, sorry. ETH transactions are down 12% since merge. We've got Base. That's an interesting one. The Coinbase CLO chief legal officer talked about Base, Coinbase's Base uh, protocol potentially getting a future token, but that's not their focus now. There's some time in the future. 
So obviously they're not going to do anything in that regard. Now with the SEC, with the uh, lawsuit with the SEC, I've got Binance. We're going to talk about Binance in a bit. They're asking for the SEC case to be dismissed. Um, what else do we have? Oh, and Binance is warning that they'll be delisting stablecoins in Europe. Now, they've done something similar before in the reverse course. I think it was privacy coins previously. So we'll see if they, they, they go ahead and delist stablecoins in Europe. Obviously, it's not a good thing for Europe at all. Um, and uh, we've got eToro. They've got an EU license for crypto. And lastly, we have SBF. So he's going to be in jail till his uh, trial, but also his dad. So that's, that's kind of uh, you know kind of the, the the TMZ of crypto. His dad is in trouble. His dad held an advisory role at Arabella Advisors. Arabella is a top. <laughs> can't make this stuff up. They're a top democratic dark money network. So I can't believe, the, by the way, that that's a thing that's public. That you can have a company and be known as a dark money network. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and so as a dark money network, so when you donate to political uh, to to uh, to politicians, you could do it publicly, you could do it privately, you, could, you know, legally, you could do it without disclosing that information. As through dark money donations, remember SBF was talking earlier when he got slack for donating to a lot of Democrats, like no, I donated to a lot of Republicans as well, but did it through dark money networks um, or dark donations, um. Because I'll get a lot of slack for donating to Republicans. Um, well, now we know that his dad worked at an advisory firm that has a bunch of funds. So you got they include the man, they manage New Venture Fund, sixteen thirty Fund, Windward Fund, and Hope There's just so many damn funds. There's so much money, and they raised over a billion dollars in anonymous cash annually. And in turn, they they give it to they give it to liberal causes and initiatives. It's just crazy. It's crazy, like how much money. Uh, there is, and how much money is donated through these dark money networks. And the SBF dad was an advisor at one of those uh, firms. But let's see, you know, quick uh, news update that we have here. We're going to dig into Kathy Wood's price predictions for Ethereum to get up to one hundred eighty thousand dollars, and talk a bit further on uh, uh, on, on Bitcoin and Binance. But uh, Scott, you want to give us a, a market update? I, I just want to hang out with Kathy Wood and drink and smoke whatever she's having because I love her takes. And I, if if ETH goes to 170k and, and Bitcoin's at a million, well, uh, half dude, a million. Yeah, no, she thinks he, she thinks Bitcoin's going to a million by 2030 as well. Oh, okay, so, so, I remember she said half a million by 2025. Yeah, I don't like, know, a million yeah that by was her very conservative. You know, that's her, okay. her <laughs> base case. Uh, base case, but uh, obviously, you know, market update could be the most boring thing we can we can do on any random day in this market we've got bitcoin being i don't know flat altcoins being i don't know flat i think the real story obviously has been in the reaction of global markets or certainly the stock market to the fomc minutes on wednesday which uh, just makes me laugh every time powell did exactly what he said he was going to do he took the exact tone everybody knew he would have he's consistently done that for 16 months yet now all of a sudden everybody's panicked that rates might be higher for longer and we've seen uh the worst week well we'll see how the week closes but could be the worst week uh for the stock market since i think roughly uh december some of the worst days that we've seen in the last year and maybe people just starting to realize that things aren't as rosy as they as they thought before but uh you know the, the market update is brief there's not that much to look at i don't think obviously treasury yields have been raging it's just uh, a lot of a lot of indications that there could be some slight cracks in in the uh 
sentiment and, and system right now. But we all know that it could be next Friday and we could be laughing about new highs, right? So uh, hard to dig in too deep. Yeah, Wizard, maybe get your thoughts. It's been a while. You haven't given us a market update on here. And then I, I want to go to Patrick on one piece of news that God, I feel like it's gone ignored, and that's the, the announcement about PancakeSwap integrating Transact. So they allow fiat onboarding now on DeFi. It just shows that gradual move towards DeFi where you can actually use uh, Apple Pay. You could use, uh, what else, Apple Pay and uh, I think, I'm not sure about PayPal, uh, Google Pay, Apple Pay and debit cards, credit and debit cards. Uh, to purchase crypto through PancakeSwap. So I'd love to get Patrick's thoughts on that because that to me seems pretty major, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but Wizard, maybe you get your thoughts on the markets and, and just not today, but in general over the last few weeks and months. Sure, man. Um, yeah, I mean, um, you know, that was a, a great point about Powell. I mean, he's been very consistently saying that, you know, <clears throat> 2% is going to be the target. Uh, it's going to be higher for longer. Uh, he's not looking to cut. But, you know, obviously, market always tries to get ahead and is like, okay, we're, there's going to be cuts. They were pricing in. So that's kind of what happened. So we've had this huge rally over the last few months in the stock market. Uh, the speed, well, a very fun statistic, like the speed of the rally um, from a sharp ratio standpoint would put it as one of, like, the top three biggest bull runs uh, that we have seen in, like, the last hundred years. Like, it's kind of ridiculous like the year to date on like the nasdaq it's mostly been like pumped by like you know just a very few number of stocks like nvidia amazon like an ai type of run but uh it has been a pretty unreal uh move um you know even like meta and stuff are almost 3x from the lows uh from like uh, december so all of this was is, is you know it kind of puts like a a, a hurt in powell because uh, earnings have been great, right? So if earnings are great, then we, that means that uh, people are able to play pay their empl employees a lot. Um, so if employees are getting hurt at the uh, at the grocery store, if they're getting hurt in service industries, like you know they need services, whatever, uh, if those prices are going up, they're able to pay them. So that means that wage inflation is going up, um, which you see in the average hourly earnings. So the first Friday of the month, when you get the payroll numbers, you get the average hourly earnings as well. And that average hourly earnings is essentially a proxy for wage inflation. That along with CPI, which is you know, obviously price stability. And then you have unemployment, which is uh, you know the dual mandate, because the Fed has two mandates. One is price stability, which is inflation. And the second is um, keeping maximum employment. So making sure that there's price stability, but it does not hurt employment. So what's been happening is, you know, there's been this feedback loop of inflation where, okay, prices are going up. So you know, um, like food's going up, uh, rent's going up. So employees are asking their employers, like, hey, I need to get paid more. So, and then uh, companies are making money. I mean, you look at earnings, it's been like unreal, like back to back uh, the last several quarters. Like even if you look at the GDP, yeah, it was like revised. But the fact that, you know, it was higher than expected. We were expecting, a, you know, maybe a small recession, but instead we got, we're getting expansion, uh, kind of shows that you're seeing uh, this big, like, hot run still happening, which obviously um, has kept the Fed on its back, you know, uh, kept its uh, pedal on the metal when it comes to hiking rates or keeping it up. So that's kind of what's been going on. So you've had stocks kind of pumping. Um, crypto, you know, crypto's got so many headwinds uh, over the last uh, several months, uh, especially with, like, SEC. So, obviously, you had FTX. Then you had SEC coming after crypto. 
Then now you have FTX again because they're uh, voting to liquidate the FTX assets. So all the assets like, you know, the altcoins and obviously Ethereum that they have, Solana, et cetera, they're taking hits uh, here and there. So yeah, crypto has just been under pressure. So there was, I think, three, four months, there was no correl- the correlation to stocks was broken. And then once stocks started kind of correcting itself a little bit, the correlation came back. So then crypto is going down with stocks again, too. You know, that's never fun. Um so that, that's mostly what's been happening. But, you know, the the, the big thing right now is that, you know, the market's kind of not expecting a recession. Um, and the the Fed's not expecting a recession either. And I think that's where, you know, there could be something to be to be done. Like if we do get a, if you think we do get a recession, um, then you'll see inflation come down, which will be the only reason that the Fed will be like, hey, let's uh, kind of pivot. Because right now they're just talking pause. Now they're talking no cuts for 2024, all the way till 2025 on that dot plot that came out yesterday. Uh, so the only thing that'll make the Fed really pivot is seeing unemployment at five percent. That that's the number, yeah. and that's it. But yeah, I appreciate it, man. Um, I do want to go into the pancake swap news. Patrick, you with us? Yes, I'm with you. Yeah, man. Is it is it? Is this major or it's not really that surprising? Because I don't think they had you had the ability. Uh, they worked with MoonPay beforehand, but did you have the ability to buy crypto through PancakeSwap using your credit card? And how about Apple and Google Pay? Well, this is completely new. Yeah, I'm not sure if they had MoonPay directly on the site, but um, you know, just given the number of retail people that were using PancakeSwap, I don't think there was a, a lack of on-ramps. However, I do think this is significant in that it's part of a really important trend. And uh, that is, if you look at all the reasons why people would use centralized exchanges, which, which I think there's really four reasons why people would use centralized exchanges, um, they're all, all starting to get whittled down by DeFi. Uh, and the main reasons why someone would use a, a SEX, in my view, are first, more liquidity. Second would be onboarding and offboarding. So this sort of pancake swap thing is a step in that direction and you know probably some people who would have onboarded through binance now will just go directly to pancake swap third reason why someone would use a centralized exchange would be cross-chain bridging and although bridging bridges are still a major source of hacks layer zero thorchain uh, and now Chainlink have done a lot to make it easier to swap native assets cross-chain uh, and then the third reason why someone would use or fourth reason why someone would use a centralized exchange would be that it's easier to use uh, and that fits with this trend we've seen this year of of bots, uh, apps like FriendTech, where where it uh, abstracts away some of the actual uh, on-chain complexities and manages manages things for you. And so basically every single area that would draw, drive people to use things off-chain on an exchange versus on-chain is being slowly, um, DeFi is slowly and, solving and those now issues. We, oh, uh, now we're seeing that liquidity move more and more towards DeFi out of CeFi? Because I think the numbers were showing that when we were discussing it a few weeks back. Yeah, the um, I, I, think, I think that's probably the missing part so far. However, however, if you, um, however, or that's kind of the last thing that has to be solved, right? Once you have the, the onboarding and offboarding and once you have the EUI, then, then that money will, I think, start to move, start to move more on-chain. Yeah, because like today we're reading the news on, on Binance and, and uh, Scott, I've just sent you through an invite to come back up. Uh, let me try to bring you up. But we've seen um, the news on, on Binance delisting stable coins in Europe, and we've seen that crackdown on centralized exchanges. And then what regulators will be hoping for, and, and maybe you disagree with this, but regulators are hoping for that people will move 
So it's one argument is that, you know, they're just trying to kill crypto, which I don't think is the case. The other one is they're trying to, to control crypto. But I think this, this could backfire on them because they, they're trying to move that money off the existing exchanges that are, you know, not by the incumbents, not by the TradFi guys, not by the banks that have existed for decades, onto those exchanges that were launched. I think we have Fidelity, whoever launched a, a crypto exchange not long ago, and it's a few months back. But what's happening is that that money is moving to decentralized exchanges instead by the looks of it. Uh, it would you agree with that statement, Patrick? Uh, so truthfully, I haven't seen evidence money is moving to decentralized exchanges. Uh, DEX liquidity has been trending down. However, overall, DeFi liquidity has been trending up. And a lot of that is because liquid staking has been cannibalizing other, other sectors of DeFi. Uh, but uh, if you look at the volumes, volume on DEXs are... They're down, of course, significantly from what they are, uh, but but they're not down that much from from what they were a couple months ago, despite the fact that, that the market's cooled. I think you kind of got to wait for another bull market to have a very good sense of like how volume is going to be dispersed amongst sexes and dexes. I think it's just hard to tell right now. Market's just very dead across the board. So yeah, absolutely. You- so it's tough to compare. But how do you think in the bull market, do you think that money will shift to DeFi, to, to decentralized exchanges more and more? Or do you think people will res- revert back to what we're used to in the centralized exchanges despite, you know, despite the, 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 the risks it's too, involved? It's too early to say, in my opinion. I, th- I think you don't know what <clears throat> the next bull market is going to look like and you don't know what the position of major centralized exchanges is going to be. You know, you don't know where Binance is going to be you know, a year from now, 18 months from now, you don't know where Hobie is going to be a year from now, 18 months from now. There's still just a lot of uncertainty about what that landscape is going to look like. I think, I think for the United States, I think it's going to be uh, either end uh, and nothing in the middle. So it's going to either be TradFi that's masking as, as, as CFI uh, or DeFi, which pursuant to the Uniswap decision uh, is, is now in the clear. I think the middle of the field is where wrongfully, but you know that's what the legislature wants to do. Uh, that's what they're going to go ahead and attack, and they're going to blow it to bits, right? And the regulatory agencies clearly are on top of that too. I mean, Binance won't exist, you know, for purposes of the United States, um, and so therefore, I think people are going to be left with either the traditional finance that take the take the CFI over um, or DeFi, and I think the DeFi has a good chance of really winning in the end. I mean, David, Binance already doesn't exist in the U.S. To your point, exactly. Right? Exactly. I think volumes are down ninety-eight percent since the SEC enforcement action, something like that. They they killed it simply by, you know, making accusations. And uh, what's happening in Europe will be really interesting with the stablecoins, Mario. But I don't know if you saw, there was this whole the whole story about Binance delisting stablecoins came from a statement from a Binance exec. But then after the story came out, CZ basically said it was for, you know, FUD. He said it was taken out of context and that they have a couple partners launching Euro and other stable coins in fully compliant manners, of course. So with the Mika, uh, there's a $216 million cap imposed on stable coins. Obviously, Binance, that's a drop in the bucket for daily volume. So it's effectively means they can't use Tether and USDC. But CZ is saying here that they're going to look for ways to use compliant EU stable coins uh, for Mika. So I think that there's more to the story than just a delisting. For Binance, I don't think it's going to matter to them. I, I, I don't think they're going to be operating in Europe a year from now, honestly. 
I mean, they've been kicked out of Belgium. They've been kicked out of Netherlands. They've been kicked out of Germany. And they're under investigation for aggravated money laundering in France. Uh, How does one aggravatedly mo- No, No money. clue, but it sounds bad, right? It also just yeah, sounds kind terrible. Of, kind of, it, also, it also just sounds kind of French. <laughs> but Travis, what, um, would it mean, what, what would it mean for, for Tether and, and, uh, and USDC then? Oh, you know, it's hard to say. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it really is I hard think to very say. Little. I think, Travis, uh, to your point, like as they're being kicked out of these places one by one, it goes back to the same story we've been told, uh, been telling about Binance just progressively being marginalized and getting smaller yes. and smaller and smaller before yeah. this becomes an issue. This won't be like a sweeping thing. It will just be, you know, slight, slow reductions in in usage and volume that'll be replaced elsewhere or won't really be noticed. Yeah, but that, but that, that, those regulations are, are not anti-Binance regulation. They're anti-stablecoin regulations. It's just about yeah, I mean, the world, about it's, right it's interesting because people have jumped all over, the industry has jumped all over Mika as this great uh, move forward because finally we have some regulatory clarity in Europe or anywhere. But when you really dig into it, these were things that, before people would have pushed very aggressively back against the industry had problems with. I think it was just a situation where people wanted clarity and even bad clarity was better than no clarity. So this is going to be, there's a lot of things in Mika that's going to be highly problematic for the industry, even outside of, uh, outside of here. Patrick, your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to piggyback on something David was saying, cause I agree 100% that you're going to see things bifurcate between either highly regulated, fully compliant firms or, or DeFi. Uh, and the reason is, you know, although the SEC has talked about regulating DeFi, as long as you can withdraw off chain, as long as you can, you know, withdraw ETH from a wallet or really even BTC from a wallet into a wallet, you, um, you can access the entire range of DeFi suites. And unless you're trading millions of dollars, there's dozens of exchanges you could comfortably trade on using DeFi. So, so that's something that it's really an anti-fragile ecosystem where there's almost no way that 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 could be shut down unless you just straight up forbade people from withdrawing. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote about this in a monthly update a few months ago with, with Mika, with the regulations in Hong Kong, uh, you know, maybe you could throw UAE in there as well too, with uh, VARA, um, the progress that the U S is making, you know, in one way or another with, getting a, a more well-defined regulatory framework around crypto. I think what you're, I think what the path is starting to look like is uh, you have these kind of walled gardens that are fully KYC and, you know, quote unquote institutionalized. And then you would have DeFi. And then I think the probably critical part is going to be the movement of crypto assets between those places so it's like you can move things from one walled garden to another, from from Mika to Hong Kong, for example. Um, but then it's like if you're trying to move assets from like KYC free DeFi land into these walled gardens or from these walled gardens out into KYC free DeFi land, those on ramps and off ramps, it's going to be very interesting to see how those get um, you, you know, you know, just just what the level of freedom is of asset movement between those, because I think you know anybody that's got 
say a Coinbase account, you know, Americans have a Coinbase account. I mean, uh, you know, Coinbase has been doing a ton of KYC refreshes. Uh, you know, we've experienced it. I've experienced it personally. We've experienced it with our fund. A bunch of other people that I talk to have experienced the same kind of thing. And so it's like, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm depositing a hundred Bitcoin into, into Coinbase, you know, Coinbase has a database that they're going to check whatever wallet that hundred Bitcoin came from. And if they don't like that address for some reason that it came from, it comes back in their system, they're going to freeze my account. And if I try and send 100 Bitcoin from my Coinbase account out to some address, they're going to do the same thing. And if their system comes back and they don't like that address I'm trying to send it to, they're going to freeze the transaction. Uh, and you can just imagine that kind of scenario being in place for all these walled gardens. And so you could even end up having like a like a truly bifurcated crypto market of like KYC crypto inside these walled gardens and then movements that can happen from one walled garden to another walled garden because everything's KYC. And then that's quite separate from uh, the KYC free DeFi land. And it gets increasingly more difficult to transfer assets into and out of these walled gardens. Mike, would love your thoughts on this as well. On, on what Travis is saying related to KYC, non-KYC? Exactly. And, and just the, 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 mainly the, 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 the two ecosystems that will coexist, hopefully, the DeFi ecosystem and the CeFi, the walled gardens, as Travis referred to them. And maybe where Binance will fall into that. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to avoid Binance, but sure. Yeah, I mean, look, look I don't just talk about Binance, obviously. Um, I think it's going to be more complex than that because I think the U.S. eventually will realize that it will fall behind. Like I think we're all uh, we're all focused on Gensler and the SEC right now because they haven't figured it out and it's messy um, and they're not letting people do what they want to do. But I, I don't think that's going to be the regime forever. So so while there is a bifurcation today between KYC and non-KYC, and by the way, Bitcoin maxis have been all over this for years, telling people to take their Bitcoin off of exchanges and put it in cold storage before the regulators are aware of it so that you you always have something that's in that sort of non-KYC land. Um, I, I think in the future, it's going to get easier for people who want to follow the rules and for people who want to, to do business. I actually thought Binance's pushback on the SEC related to not having a pathway to regulate. Um, they asked the SEC, they asked the judge to, to dismiss that lawsuit from the SEC. I actually agree with that. So even though I don't agree with everything Binance has done historically from a business standpoint, I agree with them that the SEC did not create a pathway for Coinbase, Binance, et cetera, to, to regulate themselves, uh, you know, to opt into that system. And so they have, they have a case there. So, you know, as an individual, uh, I don't know what the answer is. I think, you know, people should probably, um, you know, if, if they live in the U.S. and they can follow the KYC procedures, they should probably have multiple KYC accounts. And then they should probably also have multiple hardware wallet so that they can kind of go between and until we see where there's where the regulatory clarity shakes out yeah talking about you know the, 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 we're talking about binance yeah i do want to talk about coinbase uh, scott unless you want to talk a bit more on binance no i think we're good yeah i want to talk about coinbase and the announcement for base uh, launching their own token i didn't know base is doing that well i'm guessing it's because of frentech but base base's uh, tvl is already ahead of solana were you aware they're already in ninth. Right yeah, it's a, a lot of that is friend tech, as you said. Friend tech is dominating, obviously, yeah. Um, but the the CLO for uh, Base did talk about launching, and I'd love some thoughts from the panel. 
feel free to jump in, but um, about base launching a token, when and how could that, how, how long could something like this take? Um, considering the, the uh, issues with the SEC, um, you know, based on, on our discussions with previous attorneys, that it's, it's going to take a long time for the, for the courts to play out for us to know what is considered a security and what isn't. And for that battle between uh, obviously Binance US and the SEC and Coinbase and the SEC and the Ripple case. So the question for the, for the panel is how long could it take if, if Coinbase wants to launch a token for base? Um, how many years, uh, you know, how many years should we wait for that? Michael? Yeah, I, I don't know how many years, but I do think it's an interesting strategy, right? It's kind of the opposite of what we've really seen from crypto rather than instantly creating a token and then kind of forging on from there, trying to create utility for the token. They've kind of created this platform without a token and are now saying, hey, bring us regulations for us to issue a token and we'll do it then. And, and kind of looking back at it, I think it's a pretty smart strategy, especially with what we're going through in the United States, right? They're they're building this adoption on their platform, and then they're kind of uh, getting rid of the legal uncertainty around what a lot of the a lot of what surrounds these blockchains. So what they're probably going to do is just wait until they have that clarity, issue the token, and then not only do, are they able to foster adoption and kind of work through this learning phase, but then they're also able to issue their token with more clarity around how they're supposed to do it. So whether or not that takes a new administration or whether or not. Uh, this administration kind of gets it together, which I highly doubt. I think they're going to need some real rules in order to issue this in a compliant way. But ultimately, I think this could be a pretty interesting strategy for a lot of projects to kind of uh, model themselves after, because it seems to me like it's probably pretty smart from a compliance way. I assume that's exactly why they're doing it is to get is to show a path or at least force the SEC's hand to. Uh you know, uh, give some clarity, which won't work. But uh, I have a feeling that's actually part of the strategy. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious whether we're going to see more projects do this as well. I'm going through, there's a website that goes through all the projects launching their token and see if there's a slowdown there. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's still projects launching on, obviously it's very slow now considering it's a bear market, but there's projects launching on an almost daily basis. Uh, well, unfortunately, see- I feel like a lot of projects have the token because they need money right they need funding coinbase clearly wasn't in that position they had a lot of capital build this stuff out without the need for a token so they were in a pretty unique position where they had the money to build out a lot of this infrastructure and then say you know what we can sit on our hands on the token it's not worth the legal troubles and then issue that later i mean ultimately it seems to me like a pretty smart strategy from coinbase obviously they have their own issues with regulators in the sec that they got to work out with staking and the other tokens on their platform but this would have been one more big headache that the SEC probably would have used to leverage in their case. And it seems to me like a pretty good strategy to kind of just get the adoption, work out the kinks in the chain, and then later on come out with the token and to really boot uh, bolster the ecosystem. Yeah, I'm trying to get Preston up. He's meant to join. I think he was struggling to come up. I'll try to get him up uh, to just get a better idea whether we're going to see a shift because now regulators are starting to act and we are getting finally more clarity. Um, so we'll try to get Preston uh, Byrne. It- to come up and discuss this, uh, but uh, Travis and Patrick, go ahead. It makes it makes total sense that they that they would at least float the idea, even if it you know never happens or it's multiple years away or whatever, because it, it it keeps people engaged to be uh, uh, conducting activity on the base chain, uh, you know, for future airdrop farming, basically, which is which is great for Coinbase and you know TBD on what the exact path is. If like Republicans won the White House. You get Hester Pierce that's running the SEC 
2025, then, you know, it's a completely different ball game for all kinds of stuff in crypto. Um, and yeah, in the meantime, it was like, it makes total sense that they would just kind of float the idea out there. Patrick. Yeah. So I wanted to add in, obviously they're going to wait to get regulatory clarity. But the other thing is if you look at the most comparable situations, which are probably Arbitrum and Optimism, which were other layer twos that launched without a token and then added one later, Arbitrum waited over a year and a half. Optimism waited almost a year. Uh, and so it makes sense that Coinbase would probably, I think, wait similarly long. Uh, and the reason is, if not longer, the reason is that the people who are going to bridge to the chain early on aren't necessarily going to be the people who actually care about it. They're going to be a lot of people who want to either be early adopters and try new apps, in this case, Friendtech, or they're going to be you know, opportunist farmers who want to get there, get any sort of incentives, and then get out. Uh, and if you're trying to actually launch a token and you want it to be in the right hands, those really are not the people who you'd want to distribute it to initially. Not to mention the fact that Base currently is running around 60,000 active users. Coinbase has, what, 30 million monthly users in 2022? So I imagine they'd want to push to get more of those users actually using the chain before they distribute the tokens. And Mike, I want to get your thoughts whether we're going to see a change in the way projects launch a token now that we have more clarity. Now, you could argue that clarity was always there, uh, but it's a more difficult argument to make back in the last bull market compared to the one now. Could we see a bull market that's a bit different to the one the ones we've seen before, that it is a, a more regulated bull market? You know, Projects are being more careful now that regulators have offered clarity and they're taking action, swifter action. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually have said this before, that if if um, projects would just um, you know file an S1 with all of the – disclose all of the detail about the project and treat it like a security, I don't have a problem with people selling securities, right? Like I'm, I'm in the securities business in a sense, running a public hedge fund and sitting on a public board. You, you file a bunch of stuff with the SEC. As long as you meet your disclosure requirements, you can sell uh, securities as long as the market wants them. So I think the challenge historically is that people were selling things that looked a lot like securities without following any of the basic guidelines uh, for disclosures that you'd want to provide to the public so that these secu- so-called securities would, would actually be understood better. And obviously, you know, retail investors don't read any of the stuff anyway, but, but as long as you've filed it and you've disclosed it, if somebody wants to do the work to understand the token mechanics or the fact that the VCs own 80% of it and they're all going to unlock in six weeks and dump on your head, then you, you, you have the, the ability to buy it and all that information is disclosed. But wouldn't you have an unregistered security offering then? I mean, it hasn't the issue, Mike, been that it costs you millions of dollars and the SEC is never going to approve it anyways? Are you saying that there's a way to file and just go ahead? I don't. I mean, I don't think it has to cost millions of dollars if there's like a streamlined uh, disclosure process for. Oh, so you're saying an improvement they can make? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, look, like they they've done the same thing with you know allowing uh, private companies to to raise money with certain exemptions. Right, they're they're trying to make it cheaper uh, for for companies to 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 be public. It's obviously been challenging since Sarbanes Oxley and some of the financial crises that have happened before and all the new regulation. But they they could build a streamlined process that allows a Coinbase or something like that to list tokens once they've made some basic filing that's been reviewed by the CFTC or or the SEC. And I just don't think that should be that onerous. And I think projects should be willing to do that, especially. If they can do it for say less than a million bucks, I mean, most of the projects that are that are launching big with VC backing have way more. They have tens of millions of dollars of financing historically. In some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars of, of financing, and they easily could have made 
basic disclosures if there was a pathway to do it. Scott, do you want to get into the – oh, we've got Preston here. Preston, how are you? Oh, he dropped out. I again. don't Preston, see him. He, he, he came out and dropped yeah, out again. I think he's having technical issues. Let's get into the uh, Kathy Wood story, man, because I know that got you excited. Uh, what did uh, you say again? I mean, who doesn't Ether, get excited what? by a wild uh, pre- time-based prediction for the price of their beloved assets? Yeah, let me read out what she said exactly. I had it open just now. Uh, there it is. Um, so right now she's doing a prediction of half a million dollars by 2025 for Bitcoin um, and then thinks that Ethereum could have a $20 trillion market cap by 2030, uh, which means it will be 170 to 180K. That's a 7,000% increase from today. Now, the reason is DeFi. Uh, DeFi is already on a growth trajectory and Kathy Wood believes this could set the stage for ETH growth to become uh, a globally adopted currency. So shift from the banking sector to to ETH. Uh, as an alternative, um, I, know, I, I don't know. It's like this is like a way to be extremely bullish and get attention, or whether she really means it. Uh, Scott, you probably you know Kathy better than I do, um, but the numbers obviously seem pretty insane. And uh, do you think the narrative makes sense in any way? I think the narrative makes sense. I think the numbers are non purposely nonsensical, right? I, I don't think you can make a prediction based on the amount of time that's that grand. Uh, I think that's a great uh, PR bit but I, I mean conceptually i think what she's saying makes a lot of sense and conceptually what she's saying about bitcoin makes a lot of sense too but this is you know under a number of cascading circumstances that would have to occur for something like this to be possible so i, I mickle i see you have your hand up go ahead uh, oh. okay mike yeah mike, i was mickle gonna say yeah i was gonna say the same exact thing it's like who cares about another ten thousand dollar price tar- target for ethereum it's like to really generate the PR, to generate the attention, makes a lot more sense for her to just go higher. Now, I'm a big fan of Kathy Woods, and I, I don't think this is her just blindly putting out numbers for publicity. I think she's probably a big believer in most of the crypto asset class. But the only thing I'll say is, despite her very, very good knowledge of a lot of different technologies, if you really listen to her talk about cryptocurrencies, right, there's a lot of people in this space who have a ton more knowledge than Kathy Wood on this subject. I think she's doing a great job of kind of bringing this topic to Wall Street and kind of putting this more in the public eye. But in terms of whether or not that's a realistic price prediction, I think it has a lot more to do with her just saying, hey, I'm extremely bullish on this asset class. And by the way, ARK is now the most bullish um, company on the street on this asset to generate attention. Mike. Well, it's, work, it's, it's working, man. It's, it's right on. A, it's in our title, and we're talking about it now. Let me bring oh, yeah, up, sure. by the way, I, I'm, I'm going to bring up Ninja to just kind of wrap up the show talking about killer whales. We've got the producer, one of the main producers. Go on. ahead, Mario. Uh, yeah, that, Mike, that, go that, ahead. That Mike. Yeah, yeah, of course. Want, I, just, ahead, Mike. I just want to say, Kathy's in the asset management business, so her incentives are to raise the maximum now, amount of assets and charge the maximum amount of fees, and there's nothing wrong with that in a capitalist society. Um, and she has some great analysts. So, uh, what my view on this is that she's quite sincere. She may not actually know what she's talking about in great granular detail a lot of the times, right? So like when she's doing a forecast on like Zoom uh, adoption over the next 10 years, like like she, she thinks she has good numbers, but her forecast for Zoom's valuation is absolutely insane. But, you know, it's a shot on goals business. And so you, like a VC, because she's really like more like a VC, right? She's buying these earlier stage tech companies, like believer, believing in Tesla five or seven or nine years ago, it was still sort of, even though it was a publicly traded company, it was still a really early stage bet. And so you make dozens and dozens of bets and the one or two or three or four that work make up for a lot of the ones that don't. And so she's in the business of like trying to find those. And so she's going to strike out 
90, 95% of the time to try to hit a Tesla or, or a Bitcoin. So I think, you know, it's, it's all rational when you look at it that way. But as an investor, you got to be really careful chasing her higher into those predictions. Because again, most of, she's making those predictions for a different reason than you're investing. I agree. Um, yeah, I wanted to go get Ninja up, by the way. Uh, uh, Scott, I wanted to put him on the spot and ask him, Ninja, you got to make sure Scott joins the next uh, season of uh, Killer Whales because I think me and Ryan will have a lot of fun there. Uh, but I think he dropped out as well. We're having a lot of glitches today. Uh, but was there any other news that's worth uh, discussing? I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, this has been one of those kind of uh, down weeks, which is totally fine. No, don't need to create something out of nothing. I think that uh, we covered it pretty well. Yeah, uh, let me give a shout out to Killer Whales anyway, even though Ninja dropped out. Guys, you've got to get Scott there. I promise you, um, Scaramucci, me, Rand, Scott, and obviously you could choose the rest of the judges. It will be it will be a shit show in a really good way. Uh, but anyone that hasn't seen it, Killer Whales, oh, there's Sander. Shit, he's the, I think he's one of the the uh, main uh, the main guys behind the entire show, Scott. But it's glitching. I don't hope he comes up. I've just accepted CEO it. of Labs, yeah. Oh, he is the CEO. There you go. Sander, can you hear me? Sander, are you there? For anyone that let me let me get the trailer in the meantime while Sander fixes his mic, and let me pin it at the top because if anyone hasn't seen it, the production quality of these guys is by far the best show in uh, in crypto. I've just pinned it above. You could watch it in the audience. Just check out the pin tweet. Just go on your phone and scroll up to the top. But Sander, I promise you, I promise you. Do you know what a shit show means when it's a good thing? A good shit show. <laughs> <laughs> hey Mario, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely, man. Thanks, thanks for bringing me up on the stage. Uh, yeah, not at all, man. First, congratulations on the trailer. I think you got what over a million impressions since you posted it, um, and a lot of great feedback. So uh, you know, you must be feeling very excited. Yeah, definitely, we're excited. But you know, uh, we we gotta give it up to the uh, to the whales as well, man. You 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 guys have done terrifically, and um, you know, I think uh, we 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 try to play a role in making sure that Web three becomes much more mainstream. So, um, you know, happy, happy to be able to deliver on that and happy to have you guys on the show, Ren and uh, Mario. And you got to get Scott. you got to get Scott. If you want to see me argue with someone, you got to be Scott. It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be very heated. Know, There'll be a lot of cursing. I'll be, I'll, throw, I'll, be throwing a, I'll be throwing a pen at him. He'll be throwing his shoe at me. I Maybe the next that season of Killer Whales, Mario, should just be that we uh, print our YouTube, co- I mean, our uh, WhatsApp conversations and just let them scroll through them. As oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, guys, congratulations on the show. I think it comes out in January. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's the current planning. So uh, cool. trying to make sure that all the distribution is locked in at that moment in time and the right distribution is there. So, cool. yeah. And I, I, I know, Scott, I might have talent, talent, talent hunted you a little bit during Token 2049, so. How'd I do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as anticipated, man, as anticipated. Always good so- to see you in action. Yeah, man, thank you. I, uh, all right, next yes. time, man, we got we to gotta chat. Go, come on you. up and say hi. Cool. All right, guys, I'll connect you on WhatsApp. Anyway, guys, appreciate you all for coming on. We'll see you again on Monday, assuming there's no breaking news on the weekend. Um, and, yeah, I think that's it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the panel.